0: Well, good morning, church. I hope that you are doing well. Isn't it nice to be inside? It's so cold outside. And if you're from the north, you're probably like, this is nothing, buddy. (laughs) All right. Um, But hopefully you've gotten your cup of coffee and ready to dig into God's word. Uh, But before we do, just to reiterate what Steve was saying is, one, man, it is so important for you to get involved in a group. Uh, We say this often is that we grow um, and really connect Uh, Better in circles than we uh, do in rows. And while I appreciate you being here and coming on Sunday mornings, there's a different level of connection when you're sitting around talking about life, talking about Jesus, walking through things. Good, bad, ugly, praying for each other. And so make sure, like, don't just beeline it and try to beat the other churches, you know, to Culver's, okay? Um, Go, stop by. There's a lot of different options. There's in-home. There's uh, things that happen. There's one that meets here on Wednesday nights. There's one that meets at the downtown campus. There's a young professionals thing. There's things for students, um, which I'm just going to throw this out. I I meant to say this first hour. But um, for students, just to let you know, we're walking through some things with the doctor's office next door. They're going to allow us to uh, use their lobby for students to meet um, on Sunday mornings at 9.50. So this is something to be thinking about and be praying for. Um, hopefully that will um, happen in the weeks to come. Um, but anyway, make sure you sign up for a group. And as Steve said... Uh, from Believer, hey, just because you like when you sign up, you're not like signing your life away. That's not like, okay, I'm in it for life and we're going to approach you, you know, like a uh, timeshare person. You got to sit through a two hour thing and then you get to come to small group. It's not like that. Go check it out. If it's not fitting, try another one um, type thing. And as we grow as a campus, we'll continue to have different options in that. Um, but then, second, one of the things that Steve mentioned um, is that next Sunday, you will have opportunities uh, to see and to hear and to sign up for interest for our mission trips for this year. And so, Lord willing, we have several different options. And uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, man, our prayer is that 25 people from this campus will go on a mission trip this year. And so that's, they have in-country and international ones. Sign up, take that step of faith, especially if it's your first time. Man, I'm going to tell you, it is life-changing. So make sure you sign up. For that. But let's continue our series. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. Well, it'll also be on the screens. But um, if you've been with us, we have been in this series. We're kind of changing uh, course just a little bit, kind of entering a new chapter where this is our fifth week. The first four weeks of this series called Jesus A Life, uh, we are looking at the life of Jesus. Um, Our world, our culture uh, really kind of communicates all kind of different things about who Jesus was, and so we felt like we wanted to start off the new year looking at scripture and really looking at God's word of who is Jesus. Um, just for fun, when you get home, you should Google Jesus and just especially go to like the images tab on Google. I don't know if you've ever done that. And it's really interesting to see the type of Jesuses that you see. You see, um, you know, uh, the most famous of them all is like, Jesus is always doing this weird thing with his hands. He's like, and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, is he throwing up deuces and he's like, peace out, you know? Like, I'm not really sure what's happening here. But you see him holding a the lamb. Then you see ones of Jesus where I'm like, is that a girl? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not really sure. But you see all these different things. And So we wanted to get to the root because we believe that as we look in Scripture, man, the gospel writers, especially Luke, paint this incredible picture of who Jesus is. And as believers, that's what we should be striving after, to understand Jesus more. And so we've been on this journey the first four weeks, really the early life of Jesus. So what we saw is we saw him coming off of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. We saw uh, Jesus at 12, really his only kind of adolescence type thing where he's at the temple. So we saw that. Then we saw Jesus' baptism. We saw him get baptized at the age of approximately 30 years old to make that decision Uh, full humanity, God comes and says, hey, this is my son. Then we saw the temptation of Jesus. Now, that was um, Snow Sunday, all right? So that's online. Go check that out. Our teaching team discussed that. But we saw Jesus in the wilderness being tempted. And then if you were here last week, we begin to see this shift because Jesus is teaching. He's done some miracles. And he's on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd is there. And he points to Simon Peter, this professional fisherman who's called it a night. He's called it a day. He's been fishing all night. And he's cleaned his nets. And he's like, hey, Simon Peter, I want you to get your nets. I know you just cleaned them, but I want you to go to the deep part of the sea, cast them out. And Peter is like, the fish aren't biting. We've been out there all day. But at your word, whatever you're saying, Jesus, I will go do that. So he goes and he does that. He casts out the net. And a ton of fish. I mean, it's like a fisherman's dream, all right? Because they haven't been biting. He catches not only enough fish to fill up his boat, but his partner's boat fills them up, and they're starting to sink, so they're coming to shore. And this is what I love. This is where we left off last week. That in this moment, when one, when Peter sees and understands who Jesus is, he falls at Jesus' knees and he says, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And I love this. Jesus, man, and, and this full thing, just he recognizes, uh, Peter recognizes who Jesus is. Jesus knows who Peter is. And in that moment, where we left off is the fishermen, Peter, James, and John. These fishing partners left everything, and it says they followed him. Now, with that, I, I, I can't get this, my, this thought out of my mind like all week. Have you ever really thought about what was it like to be a disciple of Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Like You're walking side by side with Jesus, the Son of God. And it's really hard. I'm just saying in my ADHD brain, it's really hard to be like, well, that was a long time ago. I can't really envision that. But think about, try to imagine being one of the disciples. In this moment, he invites Peter, James, and John into an adventure of their life that's going to be world-changing by really two simple uh, words, follow me. They leave everything, and they go on this journey. And we see this repetition in the life of the disciples, that as Jesus is inviting them into this adventure, the very next thing that we see is Jesus says to the disciples, hey, follow me. They come into this town, and they encounter this man with leprosy, this skin disease. Now, culturally, he was the outcast. He probably had heard over and over and over, get out of here. Get away from me. You don't belong. I'm going to catch your disease. You're not welcomed. And Jesus enters into the town and this leper comes up to Jesus knowing you can heal me. I've heard enough. You can heal me. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He What scripture says, I love the language, he extends his hand and touches the leper. I mean, this was like a big no-no. And he touches the leper, and what happens is that then the leprosy says it leaves his skin, leaves his body. The disciples saw that. They witnessed this amazing event right there by Jesus' side. The next what we see in in the Gospels is that Jesus' word has been traveling. He's He's getting popular. He's teaching in this house, and the crowd is just all there. And we see these four guys, these four friends of a paralyzed man that they really want their friend to meet Jesus. They're going to do whatever it takes. So they get to the house, and it's crowded. There's no way in. So what do they do? You know, they're from like easily. You know, they're like, we're going to cut a hole in the roof, <laughs> okay? We got some rope in the truck, buddy, all right? And so they climb up on the roof, and they lower him down to the feet of Jesus. And then this awesome moment. I love this. They, the disciples experienced this because they said yes and followed him. Then Jesus, in this moment, tells the paralyzed man, because of your faith, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. And then the religious leaders, you know, the snooty ones that thought they had it all together and were all legalistic, they were like, who does this guy think he is that he could forgive sins? And so Jesus, in total Jesus fashion, says, hey, what's easier? Forgiving sins or telling this man to get up and walk? Turns to the man says, pick up your mat and walk. That dude gets his mat and is like, I can walk. And he goes home. They witness that. Then you see, they go to a guy named Levi. He's a tax collector, the scum of the earth in the Jewish culture. They didn't want him. They didn't care for him. And they, he goes to him, and he invites him back into the story. He says, hey, Levi, Matthew, follow me. I don't know no one likes you, but I want you to be a part of this journey. Follow me. And then we see they're on this hillside. He says, follow me. They're overlooking the Sea of Galilee, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins to unpack all of these things. You've heard it said this way. But I'm here to say this, blowing their minds. He's saying things like, hey, love your enemies. Don't go and kill them and seek revenge. Hey, blessed are those who are poor, who are hungry. He's saying things like, don't judge. Don't judge people. And so they're getting all this teaching. And this is what's so awesome is that the, the disciples are leaning in, the crowd on the shoreline on that hillside, they're leaning in to Jesus' words in this. Then you see they go, he says, follow me. The disciples go to the city, and they're like in the middle of a funeral. There's a widow. She's already lost her husband, and she, now she's burying her son on the way to bury him. Jesus shows up and sees the grief. It says, to, the, to the, her son, rise. He sits up and starts to talk. Now, okay, I'm just going to be honest. Funerals, okay, are hard. I get that. They're extremely hard for me. Like, open casket is hard for me. I don't know if you're like that. They just kind of creep me out a little bit, okay? I'm just being honest. Can you imagine going to a funeral with an open casket, and it's like someone shows up and says, rise. That person pops up and starts to talk. It is like Weekend at Bernie's, okay, to date myself. I mean, it is that, that's crazy stuff. That's creepy. But the disciples are right by Jesus' side because he said, follow me. So they experience all these things. And then you see, you come into the Gospel of Luke to what we're going to see today. That Jesus says, follow me. And that following leads them into a boat. And that boat into the sea. And that sea into a storm. So here's the question. Because the disciples right now are in a moment. And they're asking a question that you and I have probably asked, and if you haven't, we will ask. Where are you, Jesus? In the midst of this storm, where are you? So what do you and I do when it seems like everything is going according to plan? And following Jesus is working, it seems awesome, and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like it's working. It feels like we're in the middle of a storm. We went to a doctor's visit for a routine checkup. And they said cancer. Me and my wife had a little spat, and she's saying divorce. I opened my email to start work today, and it says they're going to do some cutbacks. What are some things when my kid, who I loved and I poured into, goes off to college to tell me I'm no longer a Christian? What do we do in those moments? Just because Jesus is there doesn't make them any easier per se. So what do we do? Because in this moment, this is where the disciples are at. They're in the midst of this asking, where is Jesus? And we're going to see two things. I'm going to give you the notes. And if you're OCD and you don't have a chance to write them down, it's okay. I'm going to visit them, okay? But two things that we see in this passage this morning of Jesus calming the storm is that, one, a tested faith reveals our fear. A tested faith reveals our fear. And second, Jesus is the solution to our fear. Now, I know that sounds cliche. We're going to unpack that. But let's read this story in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Very familiar story if you've grown up in church. It says this. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were Filling with water and were in danger. And they went and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We're dying. We're dying. Wake up, Jesus. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves as they ceased. And then there was calm. And he said to them, Man, think about this question. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And then they obey him. So in this moment, Jesus has done some incredible ministry things. And he tells the disciples, hey, follow me. We need to get to this boat. We need to go to the other side. This is the the Sea of Galilee. And if you ever go there... um, you'll know that the Sea of Galilee is not really that big. We call it a sea, but it's, it really is more of like a lake, and it's a really small lake. Um, it's smaller than like Lake Murray, okay? So think about that if you're familiar. It's really, really small. And, but in it or, or surrounding it is hillside and mountains. So it's very common that winds would come in, kind of like a wind tunnel, and form these storms. Like winds would come, 50 to 100 miles an hour winds would come and kind of swirl up the water and the waves and all of those different things. But in this, Jesus has done a lot of ministry. He tells the disciples, hey, follow me. We're going to go to the other side. And while they get into the boat, man, he's tired. He's done a lot of hard work. Whether you believe it or not, ministry's hard, okay? I don't work on Wednesdays and Sundays, okay? I'm tired. I covet my Sunday afternoon naps. Jesus needed a Sunday afternoon nap, okay, about an hour to cross. So he's asleep. Well, this windstorm picks up, and the disciples are doing this, and all of a sudden they are freaking out. And so the first point I want us to see this morning from this passage is that a tested faith reveals our fear. A tested faith reveals our fear. Now think about this. The disciples have experienced a lot of incredible things. They saw these healings. They saw the miracles. They they saw all this great stuff. And they had to be thinking, man, following Jesus, this is awesome. I'm seeing lives changed. You know, I'm being welcomed into people's homes. Man, that dude, he, he was paralyzed, and now he walks. And he just told the Pharisees off, you know. Like, this is awesome. Then they get into that boat, and here is a storm. But if you think about it, up until that point, was their faith ever really tested? And to me, is it it even a faith if if it's not tested? It's easy to believe in God when everything is going great. It is so easy to be like, God is so awesome. He is so good. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah? Okay. It's easy. But when it's not going good, it's not going according to plan, you've got some bad news, a hard circumstance, it's hard to trust God in those moments. I've been there. You've been there. And so we get to this point. Where their faith is tested and it really reveals their fear. Because these are experienced fishermen. They have fished on this. They have experienced all kinds of storms on this place. But there must have been something about this one particular storm that was just a little bit too much. They thought they could handle it to a certain point because of their experience. But then when the water started to flood the boat and they started to sink... They realized we need help. And they went to Jesus and they said, we're dying. We're perishing. Jesus, help us. Now think about this. I think so often when you and I face storms, we think we can handle it. I got this. You know, I'm going to speak for guys and maybe you can send me some hate mail later, but I just know speaking from a guy. Naturally, we want to be fixers. We want to fix every situation. So because of that, we have a mentality of, I can handle it. But how many times, I know I'm guilty of this, I'm just eating some, some crow right now, you know, is that you say, I can handle it. i got this fixed, and you, fix, you think you fix it, but then you get yourself into, like, deeper issues, you know what I mean? And then you don't want to tell your spouse, because then she be like, I told you, so. you should have hired a professional, you know? And not that Sloan has ever done that, okay? But I'm just saying, is that, you know what I'm talking about, but we try to naturally try to be fixers of things. And when it comes to our faith, it comes to this life in general. This is, this is really the, um, the epidemic that we face is that we say, I got it. I'm in control. I don't need Jesus. I don't need that whole religious thing. I got this. I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. It's all right. This is just a little setback. But if you really think about this moment when they go to Jesus, it really is the pinnacle and the crux of the Christian faith. At the very beginning of following Jesus, you and I have to come to the point where we say, I need help. I can't do it. I've tried. tried all these different things. What the world says brings you happiness. What brings you hope. I've tried all these different things. We have to get to the point where we say, I need help. It takes a lot of humility. I, I think one of the things that I've learned is that Pride is a very um, hard attribute or characteristic to possess as a believer. Because you're always going to get in the way of yourself and of God. And so in this moment, the disciples, their greatest fear comes and they say, Hey, we need help. And here's what we can learn is how you and I respond to trials, circumstances. It really does reveal the level of our faith if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Fear exposes the state of our faith. Our fear exposes the state of our faith. When we go through a hard time, when there's something that we're scared of, that we're, there's certain, certain um, uncertainty that, that comes with a situation or a hardship or whatever it is, man, the level of where we are in our faith journey and our trust for God is fully exposed. It comes to a head. And just being personal and fully transparent with you this morning, is that Sloan and I, I'll never forget, this is kind of for us, part of this journey of faith. My first church that I worked at out, outside the Atlanta area uh, was there. It was the very first I was a student pastor. Everything was going really well. I mean, it's a job. There's some, you know, people are involved, so you have those hiccups, but everything was going really well, and We felt this this calling on our lives that God was calling us to a new season. We didn't know what that looked like. We weren't really looking for anything. So we're kind of just walking through, okay, God, what are you saying to us? And so at the end of the day, long story short, God called us uh, to move to Nashville to be at a church. And when we went, man, it was like one of those God moments that we were like, we know God's calling us. Because we were in the middle of adopting our boys. We, were, uh, we didn't know anybody. Uh, I knew one guy that was from college. Um, he was the one that called me, and that was about it. But he was moving to Thailand. And so, anyway, two to three weeks in, we knew, what in the world are we doing? Jesus, why did you bring us here? Like, we listened and obeyed. And we felt like everything should be great. This is a new opportunity, a new town. Nashville is so great. We heard everybody say, you know, all these different things. It's going to be great. And two to three weeks in, I'm thinking, what did we just sign up for? And I'm going to tell you, as a guy, I'm thinking, I just drugged my wife to a new place. Kids in the middle of adoption. It got complicated. We did all this stuff. And I said, yes, Lord, why this? Have you ever thought maybe Jesus is leading you into the storm just like this? Because it's an opportunity for you and I to grow. Man, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how, we were there for almost four years, a little over four, almost three, something like that. I don't even know. It seems like eternity sometimes. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, as hard as that was, it made me a better husband, made me a better dad, it made me and Sloan better ministry partners, it made us better in our communication, and our relationship with others and friends, all those different things, it was a growing opportunity. And a lot of times in the storm, we don't see that, but our fears are revealed in that, and that fear exposes our level of faith. We had to ask, okay, we trusted God in this moment. Do we continue to trust Him in the midst of this storm? And so for many of us, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you brought this morning. But lean in and trust God. Whatever struggle you're going with, that's what I love about this place. This is the church. You are not called to struggle alone. That's why we, we're big on small groups, that's why we're big on community. We don't want you just to come in and leave. We want you to know each other, hold each other accountable, pray for each other. Hey, just, I need to get this off my, my shoulders. I'm struggling with this. We need each other in this because we do grow, we do learn. We can, from these storms, go to Jesus. So that brings me to our our second point, is that Jesus is the solution to our fear. And you're like, well, duh, that sounds cliche. But I want you to think about this. If you look at the disciples, they kind of half-hearted knew this. They went to Jesus, which is like the right move. They went to Jesus. They knew that he could fix it, he could calm the storm. They saw all these things But at the end of the day, they really didn't fully trust Jesus to get to the other side. Or else they wouldn't have been freaking out. And they kind of had this half-hearted faith, if you will, to know that he's the solution. And here's what I think that I know I'm guilty of, and I think many of us can be, is that we let storms overshadow Jesus. We let storms overshadow exactly who Jesus is. How many times have we been in the middle of the storm... And we blame Jesus for the storm. God, why did you, are you bringing me through this? Why is this happening? When was the last time you thanked Jesus for all the things he did prior to the storm? When was the last time all of these good things? It's, it's like we forget God, God is the God of good. But in the midst of this, it's like he's testing us. We're, our faith is being tested. We're going through a hardship. Where are you at, God, now? And all of a sudden we have amnesia and we forget about all the great things. So we blame God on on the hurtful, the hard times. And what's interesting to me in this passage, so Jesus calms the storm, and he says to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And then they respond, they were afraid, and they were marveled. How can you be both? Here's what what I pick up on this. Now, they were afraid of the storm. They're yelling, we're dying. But in this moment, they're afraid because it's this healthy fear of the Lord. That so often is missing in our life to understand, man, he has authority to calm the sea. There was a a healthy level of fear. But this is what's interesting. Then they ask the question, who then is this? It's like they forgot everything that he, he said he was the son of God. He said he was the Messiah. He was going and doing all these awesome miracles that they all experienced. And somehow they forgot. And they're like, they, he just calms the storm. And you would think they would say, that's Jesus. That's the guy I'm following. That's the guy I left everything behind to follow. You would think they would say that. And they're like looking, and they're like, who is this guy? Who is this? And we have to be careful Not to forget who Jesus is. In the middle of the storm, to turn to him as the solution. Because here's the tendency that you and I have. Our tendency is to search for a solution. That's our natural tendency. And when things aren't going good, we reach out to friends to talk about it. We, we talk to our spouse, we talk to our co-workers, we talk to other people, we read books about it. We need to read a, um, a blog post or listen to a podcast or, you know, whatever. We, we're going to bounce things off of people and say, hey, what do you think about this? We're going to get all these different things. Let's go a little bit deeper. Maybe we find our solution to that pain, that hurt in the middle of the storm. We go to alcohol for the solution. We go to drugs. We go to a porn addiction to the the, the solution to help that. Maybe it would numb the pain a little bit. I'm going through this hard thing, and I want to escape it. Maybe just ignoring it. Maybe we'll just do that. And so we look for all of these different ways and different solutions, and we forget to run to Jesus. We We forget to go to the one that knows what we're going through. We've seen him being Tempted. Remember the fisherman story? Peter says, it's the Lord. He knew. To go back to those moments and say, okay, in the midst of the storm, I don't understand it. It's not easy. I'm going through a hard time. But God is God. Jesus is Jesus. And I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to trust in him. And he's going to get me through this. And here's the thing that you and I have to learn. It might not be in our timing. Just because we see here that they go to Jesus, help and he calms the storm immediately, just because we cry out to Jesus doesn't mean the storm is going to go away the next day. We might have to weather the storm a little bit. But maybe Jesus is having us go through that storm to teach us something about our faith, to teach us something about who he is and to cling on to that. In Colossians, the writer writes this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all three things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything that he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Here's the thing. You and I, we are guilty of trusting Jesus as our Savior and not trusting him as Lord. We get, okay, he died for my sins. That's so awesome. I know I want to go to heaven. I'm so thankful that he is my Savior. But is he our Lord? Is he the one that you trust when with your finances, with your job security, with your parenting, with your workplace, with the hurt, with the pain, with the addiction? Are you trusting him as Lord to control it all? or is it just like hey i got this i'll take care of this storm run to jesus run to him so i'm going to close this morning by asking you the same question jesus asked his disciples where is your faith where's your faith now it kind of sounds weird cuz you got to really dig deep down and you really have to be honest with yourself to evaluate if you're for me it's like on a scale from 1 to 10 where does my faith fall and maybe this morning you're going through something, and I just invite you, you, wanna, you you're want you more than welcome to come down here and just give it to the Lord. Pray, use this as an altar just to give it. I'll be down here if you want to talk, you want me to pray with you, whatever. May I'll be honored to do that. But as a church, we need to lean on Jesus. He is the solution to those storms. He's the solution to whatever you're going through right now. He wants that for you, and he's inviting inviting you into this incredible relationship with two words, follow me. Follow me. Experience the good, the storm, but we do this together. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for that invitation to follow you. I know for many of us, we follow a lot of things. We look for a lot of solutions to the emptiness inside, to the hurt that we're feeling, to the pain that's been caused in our life, to the fears that we have about what it looks like following you. And Father, as you call us this morning to follow you, even in the midst of the storm, God, I pray that you give us great boldness and strength to lean in and to trust might not look according to our plan, it might not go like we expected. But God, you're the one that's in control. And as our savior, we also look to you as our lord. And as sovereign, we look to you as king. And so, Father, let us step into that and trust you. It won't be easy. Doesn't mean the storm will quickly pass, but Father, we're so thankful that with your voice, your power, we can look at the storm a little bit differently. Say, you're with me. Your spirit is with me. You're teaching me something. You're testing my faith in this. And I want it to grow and to lean more on you to be a better dad, a better mom, a better worker, a better leader. Father, let's step into that space this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's worship. Let's use this as a time of response. As I mentioned, come up here and pray. If you want to speak to me, I'll be more than honored to pray with you. Let's worship together.